You know, if my mother was still around today, I know that she'd love to keep the conversations going with some of today's stars and see how they would answer her questions. And now, Tina Sinatra talks to Lucy. Did you know that this is what you were going to do while you were growing up? Is this what you always wanted to be? Ultimately, what I became more than anything else in my career was I stepped into, with my father's encouragement, to take over what he believed, what legacy he would leave, he believed should be kept within the family and handled with a, with a personal touch, shall we say. It wasn't my full and foremost career. The controlling of the IP of Frank Sinatra has become all-consuming. It was not consuming in the beginning because he was here. Once we lost him almost 20, it's now 23 years, it took a different shape for me. How do you think some of our newer stars stand up under the test of time? Will they maintain, do any of them even have the old Hollywood star image? I don't see, with very few exception, I don't see stars, movie stars, you know, streaming stars. I don't, I don't feel that and haven't for a very, very long time. Is there anything that you would really like to do that you can't do? Yes. I can't give peace of mind, peace to the world. I can't really make these current times better. I look at what's wrong, immediately wrong, nearest me. I wish I could fix all that. If you were not in the business, what would you like to be doing? I think I'd like to be trying to do better. I'd focus on the most serious issues today. Uh, I also, if I could and weren't allergic to everything furry, would prefer just to be on a farm and not hear the news and not think about anything. What is your favorite type of entertainment? I think that movies have entertained me more than anything else because they're rather mindless in their way. I can see and repeat seeing movies, the same movies, over and over again. I'm never tired of looking at, say, Lucy or Barbara Stanwyck, and it just it takes the edge off whatever it is I'm facing at the, in the moment. They're familiar to me, and they're comforting. What is your idea of the ideal home life? My home life was not traditional. I did not have children. Marriage was not my favorite situation. I tend to stay closer to the hearth than most people. Not in my 30s, 40s, and 50s, but certainly through my 60s and into my 70s. I just have found, especially during COVID, by the way, that period of isolation, true isolation, it was a, it was a learning experience. You really focused on what mattered most. The time was precious and who you would really like to see, cook for, and spend a couple of hours together during such, such an odd time and experience. You like to entertain? I really do like to entertain at home. I'm not the best cook, but I can certainly get around the kitchen. And uh, my friends, especially in the last year of COVID, it was sort of the one place we could all meet together and know that we were safe. Games, friends at home. I trim for everything, every holiday, just for myself, actually. If, if I weren't to have people in, I would do that anyway. Home is important to me. I like to dress it up, and I like to have people in very much. Do you think that hospitality is a lost art? 
I don't think it is as beautiful and as formal and as planned out as they used to be. I remember dinner parties at Lucy's and the Bennies and the Burls and the Getzes. I lived in an adult life a lot. I guess as an art, perhaps it's less arty. I think it's what people really prefer, certainly of late. Do you feel strongly about certain things? And if so, what? I have strong political feelings. I have strong social feelings. My dad was sort of determined that we would not grow up in any way judgmental of anything or anyone around us until we could personally experience. But how can you personally experience the circumstances uh, that we're living with today? I am a little bit judgmental, is what I'm trying to say, uh, but don't tell him. You know, if my mother was still around today, I know that she'd love to keep the conversations going with some of today's stars and see how they would answer her questions. And now, Stephanie Zimbalist talks to Lucy. So today I have some impromptu questions. Okay. Did you know that this is what you were going to do while you were growing up? Is this what you always wanted to be? Um, yes, I did, actually. Well, first of all, I'll, I'll preface this. I am modest, and so I will start this by saying that I would imagine most of the people listening have no idea who I am. So I better say that um, I have a lot of legacy in my family besides besides the fact that I've been doing this for 30 years. My great-grandfather was the, the orchestra conductor in, of the orchestra in Rostov Nadanu, in Russia, and my grandfather was a great violinist and, he, and a teacher. His wife, my grandmother, was Alma Gluck, the first person to sell a million records, actually. And her daughter, Marcia Davenport, was a fabulous writer. She was a novelist in the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, Marcia Davenport. Just glorious. Uh, and then along comes me. So I sort of had an inkling that I was going to pursue something in this. I started directing when I was four <laughs> in my hallway at home in Encino, California. I sort of had a bent that way. It was between that and athletics. I was a, well, it sounds so silly, but I, I dove and I swam and I did synchronized swimming and I rode English and I rode Western. I skated and I played golf and I played tennis and I did all those fun things. But Actually, it was, um, I had the most fun at uh, Brown Ledge Camp in Mallet's Bay, Vermont, acting. And it seemed to come to me the easiest. And uh, I always find whatever you pursue, if you pursue what you love, you can't go wrong. You just can't go wrong. I told that to a friend of mine the, the other day who's wanting to um, bump up his singing career at, in his 80s. And I said, why not? There's no reason not to, but just follow your heart, follow your bliss, follow what you love. So I did. I followed what I loved. And um, if you do, it's usually something that comes to you a little easier than something that doesn't. What entertains you or amuses you the most? I suppose at this stage in my life, I guess I'd have to say animals tend to entertain me or amuse me the most. They are so ingenuous and funny and loving and adorable and honest. <laughs> and uh, it's really whenever I get an, you know, one of those emails that's about an animal, I just, every, everybody laughs. Everybody has a great time. 
So I would say that it's probably animals that entertain me the most. So if you have time to read, like if you're going to take a train trip or a boat trip or a plane trip, what do you go to? You're talking about um, reading material, which we call leisure. <laughs> I remember that word. Train trip. I remember that concept. <laughs> that sounds great. Um, yeah, now see, there's an author that I love. Ann Tyler is a fabulous writer. She's so entertaining. She writes, if I'm not mistaken, every single one of her novels takes place in Baltimore. And she's just one of those writers where you just fall into her novels. There are many that I've read, you know, the fabulous book, I don't know if you guys read it, called The Glass Castle, but if that lady had another, I'd pursue it right away because it was an extraordinary book. I'm way behind on Nathaniel Philbrook. He's a little more serious, but so edifying and so wonderful. He, he wrote a book many years ago now called In the Heart of the Sea, The Tragedy of the Whale Ship Essex. It's unbelievable. And he also wrote Mayflower. As far as funny people, Sedaris is hard to find funnier than David Sedaris. So I would probably, if I, if I were in the mood for a chuckle, I would see if I could find a, a new David Sedaris book. And aside from that, noticing I'm not reading screenplays and I'm not reading, <laughs> I'm not reading plays or anything like that. Um, basically, you won't hear many actors say this. But I have been entertained to death. I don't need to be entertained anymore. I, I don't need to. I enjoyed what I did. I loved it. Um, but I can entertain myself in many, many ways. What do you like about yourself the most? I was going to say something funny like my humility. <laughs> um, I, I suppose what I like most about myself is my curiosity because it's my curiosity that keeps me going. It gets me through my pride. It gets me through my bombastic quality, which I don't really have, but it gets me through anything that gets in the way of stopping, you know, or slowing down or instead of moving forward, curiosity will keep you going. And so I'd say that. Who would you most like to be in the history of the world? Well, that's a very interesting question because probably the people that we most admire had the most difficult lives. And so on the one breath, we all say, well, Mozart, and it's, would you really want his life? Honestly, really? Would you like to be Jesus Christ and end that way? Well, no, not really. The people that seem to strive, that have a long place from point A to point B, it's quite the journey that they take. And I think anybody to choose to be in their shoes uh, would probably think twice once they started to live it. So I guess I'd have to say, given the blessings that I have had, I think I'd have to say I don't choose to be anybody but who I am. Do you apologize often to anyone? <laughs> These are such lovely questions. You know, most... Um, White Europeans apologize all the time, you know, and we grew up apologizing. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm, oh, I didn't mean to do that. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. No, excuse me, excuse me. I'm sorry. No, no, it's my fault. No, 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 my fault. No, it's, it's all right. I'm sorry. And slowly over the decades, we realize, are we really apologizing or is that just coming out all the time? And so I'm not sure that really we need to apologize as often as we do. 
What is your idea of the ideal home life? One of the biographies I read on Olivier, I never forgot this little scene in one of his, I think it's, uh, I think it's one that he wrote himself. And he describes his perfect home life. And he says, the most wonderful image I have of my home is I'm waving goodbye to my wife and my children. I've got my new script under my arm. I'm going out our little our little steps and I'm hitting the little gate and the driver is there and I'm turning to my family and I'm waving goodbye. <laughs> and I totally get that. It's that the perfect home life, you're either home in a beautiful house, aren't we blessed to have one if we have one, and you're wondering where the next job is going to come from and wouldn't it be wonderful to be doing a job. Then you get the job and you're working your butt off and you think, if I could only have an hour with a book in a corner at home to just quietly read. So whatever we have is never perfect. Either we're working too hard and we don't have time to enjoy our life, or we enjoy too much and we say, boy, I really need a challenge here. So I guess a perfect home life is a bit of both, and that takes structure, that takes discipline, that takes organization, that takes thought and brains. And I think that that's what I would aim. So you have a little bit of joy, a little bit of rest. You have a, a lot of work. You have all the things that you love most under one roof.